Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, choir, musicians. Wow, that's good stuff. If you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn me to the book of John. John, we're going to be in chapter 14 today. John chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning. John chapter 14. Verses 1 through 11. John 14, verses 1 through 11. God's Word says this. Let not your hearts be troubled... Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it, were, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, not, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His work. Believe in me that I am the. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would help us. Help us to hear you. Help us as I attempt to teach and preach. God, may we be still before you and hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. War rages in Eastern Europe. Gas prices rise at home. Inflation abounds. Sickness continues. Uncertainty reigns for many. Do you ever feel that your heart is troubled? Do the circumstance around you cause your heart to be rattled? A medical diagnosis 
family strife, political uncertainty. We live in a world that is fallen and where troubles abound. Yet in the midst of all these uncertain times, is there anything firm that we can stand on? Is there anything certain that we as a people and as a church can look to? In our world filled with anxiety and fear, is there any lasting medicine for the troubled heart? Well, in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, I believe our Savior Jesus prescribes the perfect medicine, the cure for your troubled heart. Remember the book of John. John writes in his purpose, we've talked about last week in chapter 20, verse 31, he states as this, But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John's purpose is to show that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God, and that if you will believe in him, then you can have life. And he divides his book into two parts. We said the first 11 chapters are the book of signs in which we see Jesus perform mighty miracles. And the following chapters are the book of glory or the book of passion in which we see Jesus heading to the cross. And inside these chapters from 13 to 17, this morning is often referred to as the farewell discourse or the upper room discourse. These are Jesus' final words to his disciples before his death. Jesus knows that his death is soon as approaching. He has gathered his disciples together for one last meal together, one last time to be with his disciples. What lessons will he teach his disciples? What final words will he give his followers? Last week, we saw the beautiful picture of Christ's humility, right? And his love by washing the disciples' feet. The one who has given all authority, the one who is the fullness of God dwells, he is the one who picks up the towel. The 12 disciples were more concerned with places of honor, of prestige, but Jesus tells them, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Well, at the summer, as we summarize the end of chapter 13, I want you to see that the atmosphere in the room has drastically changed. Look back at chapter 13, verse 21. Jesus is going to reveal to his disciples some earth-shattering, shocking news to them. Verse 21, he says this, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. These 12 men Jesus had handpicked. These 12 men Jesus 
had chosen to be his closest followers and invested in, these disciples began looking around. Who is it? Who is going to be the one that betrays our Lord and our Savior? Well, Jesus knows as he knows all things and he gives the morsel of bread to Judas and Judas departs. This shocking news is just one of three things he's going to tell them. Not only is one of you going to betray him, but look also in verse number 33 of chapter 13. What does he tell his disciples? Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You seek me, and just have I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Not only are one of you going to betray me, but also I'm going to a place you cannot come. This would have been an earthquake for the disciples. They expected Jesus to take political control of Israel as Messiah, and now he's telling them that where I'm going, you can't come. You see, it's only Jesus that's going to be able to go to the cross. It's only Jesus who's going to be able to pay for the sins of the world. Well, Simon Peter, as he typically does, he speaks up. And look at verse 38, or excuse me, verse 36 through 38. What does Simon Peter say? He says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. One of Jesus' strongest disciples is now going to deny him. How can this B, the disciples' hearts had to be shook. Jesus tells them, one of you are going to betray me. I'm going away to a place where you can't come. And now one of my strongest disciples is going to deny me. Three times. Shocking news. They have no control of their situations and no doubt after hearing these words, their hearts are troubled. Their minds had to be racing. What will we do now? Where will we go? What will happen to us? Yet Jesus knows exactly what's going on in the disciples' hearts. He could read their hearts as plain as a billboard just as he can read your heart and see your fears, Jesus knows and has the perfect prescription to prescribe to your troubled heart. What cure does he offer to his disciples? What words of encouragement and comfort does he leave to them? We're in our verses this morning. I want you to see a command he gives... And then he's going to follow that command with four truths or four reasons that you can trust in this command. 
So verse number one, let's look at the command first. Verse number one, what is this command that he gives to the disciples? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Could be translating, stop letting your hearts be troubled. But here is the answer, disciples. I know your heart is, and your world is shaken. But believe in God. Believe also in me. Here is the answer. It is faith in God. Keep believing in me. Keep trusting in me. Jesus declares that even though I may go away for a while, have faith in me. Yes, your circumstances seem bigger and stronger than your ability to cope. But Jesus says, believe in me. Have you ever been there when your life seems to send you wave after wave that seems to constantly crash into you and you don't know if you're going to make it through? Shocking news, unpredictable circumstances... Jesus tells his disciples, and he tells us today, have faith in me. Believe in me. Just as you cannot see God, he tells his disciples, one day you will not see me. But yet you believe in God, believe also in me. You trust the Father, you can also trust me, the Son. Why is it that we can trust him? Because of who he is, right? Proverbs 18.10, God's word says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Psalm 46.1, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And Jesus, he has already told his disciples, and he has already declared, In John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the one who has eternal satisfaction. In John 8, he has told them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but in the light of life. In John 10, he's declared, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pastors, as well as I am the good shepherd. And I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So the command is clear that Jesus gives. Believe in me. Have faith in me. Is your heart shaken today? Is your heart discouraged by the news? Focus not on this world, but may we turn our eyes and focus and have faith in God. So this is the command. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So what is the reason he gives that we can believe in him? Why is it that our hearts do not have to be troubled? Look again at verse number 2. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
Let not your heart be troubled because there are many rooms in our Father's house, right? Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place. What does he mean there? Is heaven not already prepared? What is not fully prepared is the way to get to your room in heaven. Sin must be atoned for. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is about to be slain and bear the wrath of God. Death will soon be defeated, and every obstacle between us and our Father's house will be removed in the next three days. Jesus is heading to his Father's house. He is returning home, and God's house is large. He says there are many rooms he won't run out of space. There's a place for you. He reassures the disciples, you can trust in me, I'm going away, but don't worry. Don't worry. Don't let your heart be shaken. There are many rooms in my Father's house. I'm not leaving because my plan's been derailed. I'm not leaving just to get away. No, Jesus is leaving to accomplish His purpose for His glory and ultimately for our good. We have a heavenly home that awaits. And, and so don't worry, disciples. This life is not all there is. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Heaven awaits for those who believe in him. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you know Jesus... No matter what happens in life, no matter what circumstance you go through, the biggest issues in life have been settled. Our final destination in the Father's house. We have an eternal inheritance, and it is secure. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this. Listen to what it says of our inheritance. Can anything happen to our Father's house? Listen to these verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is, here it is, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. The disciples' hearts were troubled because they only saw the nail. And if we're all honest, we all seem to focus on the nail and fail to see what awaits for those who believe. Our hearts do not have to be shaken because there are many rooms in the Father's house. But also, verse number 3, we see another reason. Let not your hearts be troubled because Jesus is coming again and he will take you to be with him. Look at verse 3. He says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus will not prepare a place and sit down and wait for his followers to figure out a way to get there. No, he says, I am personally returning. And when I return, I will take you to be where I am. The temptations for the disciples and the temptations for us, right, is to feel forgotten. Jesus is leaving us. They feel abandoned. They feel as if 
No one, no, they have nowhere to turn. Have you ever felt like, God, do you even see what's happening? Do you ever feel like, God, are you even there? Do you know what's going on? You are not forgotten. God sees, God knows. And Jesus tells the disciples and he tells us he is coming again. You, be, you will be with Jesus again. Let not your hearts be troubled. God will gather a people for himself. We see this throughout the scriptures. Listen to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Christ is coming back. The heavens will open up and he will come for his children. Are you ready? Will you be prepared when he comes? John, in in the book of Revelation, is given this vision. Listen to these verses in Revelation 21, speaking of heaven. Verses 2 and 3, or 2 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things has passed away. God will be with his people, and his people will be with him. You see, the focus of heaven is not on a person or it is on a person, it is not on a place. The essence of heaven is the presence of Christ. It isn't the streets of gold or pearly gates, but it's being with Jesus. This message, this passage in John's gospel is not the promise of return to heaven, but simply, but also a reunion with Christ. Trust in me, I'm coming. Trust in me. There's coming a day, new heavens, new earth, no crying, no pain, every tear wiped away, forever with Christ. Don't let your heart be troubled, it's going to be okay. Trust in me. Believe in God. And so we see the second reason our hearts do not have to be troubled. But notice the third reason we see. In verse number 6, he declares, we don't have to let our hearts be troubled because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 4, Jesus tells them, hey, you know where I'm going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says you need only to focus on me. I am the way. Jesus is the way to God and there is no other way. There are not many ways to God, but one way. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You see, our problem is so great that there is no other way. Our sin separates us from a holy God. The gap is too great for us to leap over to God by our good works. Our sin deserves punishment. We need someone to make a way for us to a holy God. And Jesus comes and says, I am the way. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God 100%. He never sinned once, and he also took our punishment for us on the cross. What a Savior we serve. He is the way. Not only is he the way, he's the truth. He didn't say he would show the truth or teach the truth or model the truth. But Jesus says, I am the truth, truth personified. He is the source of all truth, the embodiment of truth, and therefore the reference point for evaluating all truth claims. There's nothing false about Christ. He is perfect and he is the truth. Not only is he the way, he's the truth. He's also the life, right? True life comes from Jesus. He came that we might have life and life to the full. Notice Jesus didn't say he will show us a way. He said he is the way. He didn't promise to teach us the truth. He said he is the truth. Jesus didn't offer us the secrets to life. He said that he is the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. Jesus invites all people to come to him, but all people must come the same way through Jesus. On one hand, Christianity is the most exclusive religion imaginable. It says you must believe in Jesus, and there's only one way to eternal life. But also it's the most inclusive because it makes salvation accessible to everyone. Salvation is offered to all people through one person. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. We live in a culture today, right, that seems to say that you can say whatever truth is right for you is is good for you, right? As long as you believe with all your heart, as long as you are sincere, that's all that matters is what our culture says. But if I wake up in the middle of the night and I go to the medicine cabinet, pull out the medicine. I pull out the wrong medicine. Though I believe with all my heart it's the right medicine, and I take that medicine, it doesn't matter what I believe, right? It's the object of our faith that is important. Likewise, a person may be sincere and even devote in their religious beliefs, but it may not be helping them to know the one true God. It is a question of truth. And believing something hard enough doesn't mean it is true. The truthfulness of faith is determined by its object. I can believe in all my heart one of those chairs will hold me up. If one of those legs are broken, bam, I'm hitting the ground. Jesus reminds his disciples, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
I am the way. And finally, fourthly, we see the fourth reason we can trust in God and not let our hearts be troubled. Verses 8 through 12, because Jesus is fully God. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus responds, verse 9, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? What is Jesus claiming there? Jesus is claiming, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father or Son are different in person, but yet they are one in disposition. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being simply a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus makes it clear. I and the Father am one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so he tells his disciples, because of these things, do not let your hearts be troubled. This morning I was reminded of the story of the disciples being on the boat. And as they were on the boat, Jesus was off on the mountain praying by himself, and a storm arose. And as that storm arose, the disciples became fearful. And Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And the disciples think, oh, look, it's a ghost. And they're terrified. But Jesus says, peace, it is I. Don't worry. Peter speaks up again, right? He says, if it's really you, command me to walk on this water. Jesus says, come. And Peter begins walking on the water. And we know the story. He takes his eyes off Jesus, right? And as he takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus instantly reached out his hands, saves Peter. They get back on the boat and they say, truly you are the Son of God. Peter was doing great until he took his eyes off Jesus. The disciples had heard the shocking news. One of you will betray me. I'm going to a place you can't come. And one of you is going to deny me, Peter. 
And in the midst of this shocking news, Jesus reminds them and reminds us, keep your eyes on me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In this world you will have troubles. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Is your heart troubled this morning? The sweet medicine that Jesus prescribes is believe in God, believe also in me. Let's pray together. Father, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, God, I pray for our hearts, hearts that might be troubled, hearts that are focused on anything other than you. God, I pray that you would grant us faith, faith to believe in you. God, help us not to focus only on our circumstances. Help us not to focus on only that which we can see. But God, may you give us faith to believe. And so, Father, I ask that by your Spirit, work in our hearts. And this morning, I pray for anyone here that their heart might be carrying around a burden I pray for anyone here that heart might be troubled by a particular circumstance. Whether it be sickness, news, whatever it might be. God, may they give their anxiety and cast their worries upon you. Because you care for us. Father, thank you that you are the good physician. And you know exactly what to prescribe to our hearts. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to take the pill of belief in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.